Good morning. Wasn't sure what to expect this morning. Didn't know uh, as far as the way the snow is falling, how many people would come, what you're going to do. But then we saw the Zens family show up. You know, they drive all the way from Pioneer. So we figured, hey, if they're driving all the way from Pioneer every Sunday, I have no excuse, you know, living three quarters of a mile away, right? No. Here's just a, a reminder to you. When we get the bad weather, I didn't think we'd have to wait about this till January, but I'll give the announcement now, okay? So here's the deal. If it is snowing hard and, and we can't make the call right away because we just don't know because it's snowing when we're here, when we, we decide to have church, you err on the side of safety, okay? If you are uncomfortable driving in the snow and you're worried and it's like, I don't know, I don't, I don't really want to get out in this weather, it scares me, then stay home. It's okay. Okay, the attendance police won't be calling you later, wanting to know why you weren't here. Okay, we, we understand. We want you to be safe. And as a pastor, I, I said, sometimes I feel like the superintendent of the school. I'm the one that calls a two-hour delay or cancellation, you know. And uh, it, it's no fun because I, I want to be here and I want to worship, but at the same time, I'm concerned for your safety. And so... If we decide to have church and you're very uncomfortable, then just stay home. It's okay. Uh, we even talked about if we get to the point where we do have to cancel church, maybe we'll do Facebook Live or video the sermon and put it out on uh, YouTube or something, and you can watch it still if we're at home. Um, I don't know. I don't like cameras, so I'll just FaceTime you or something. I don't know. But anyway, uh, I'm glad that you made it this morning. Just please be safe when you drive home today, okay? If you would, grab your Bibles. Great, Bob is going to need them. If you don't have one, we got them in the back. We can bring one to you if you need it. While you're grabbing your Bible, you can go ahead and uh, open it up to Psalm 126. It is what Phil read earlier, Psalm 126. And while you're turning there, I've got a question for you. What do you want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? No, you don't have, the boys right in front of me, and they're always on it. They're always like, oh, I'm ready to tell you. No, you, can, you don't have to tell me now, okay? But I just want you to ask that question. Some of you have been asking it, and some of you have a list. You know, we all have a list. And uh, we say we really don't want anything for Christmas, right? Some of us still want something. We're like, no, I don't want anything for Christmas. In the back of my mind, we do. And as Christmas approaches, and some of you have procrastinated in doing your shopping, <clears throat> men, <clears throat> Just I give you assistance this morning, okay? So I went to the internet to discover some, some top gifts to give to the ladies uh, because gentlemen, I always try to look out for you, okay? Because first of all, men, let me just throw this out there. When the ladies say they don't want anything, I have this in all caps, don't fall for that, okay? It's not true, okay? Second, I, I know that women are most likely finished. Men, you're still lingering over the disappointment that Thanksgiving turkey leftovers are all gone, Okay, so if I could put on the William Wallace blue face right now and say, men, years from now, when you're lying in your bed, you know, and I'd go on with that speech and be like, what is he talking about? Just watch the movie Braveheart. It's a love story. You'll enjoy it, okay? Um, I'd encourage you to get out there and shop, 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 right? Uh, so here's some of my suggestions, okay? Perfume. Can't go wrong with perfume. Just make sure you know what kind of perfume, okay? Scarves, I hear those are in this year, and they're probably in every year. I don't know, okay? A phone stand. You don't have to put their phone in like a dock. It'll charge, but it also puts it right there for them to see. Okay, that's a good idea. Jewelry, okay? I hear there's a must-have handbags, hashtag purse, okay? Um, slippers, personalized coffee mugs. Those are good, okay? And, and if you're still, okay, for the married couples out here, if you're still struggling... 
There is a True North marriage retreat coming up in March. Buy in right now, okay? Impress your wife that you really do care about your marriage, okay? We learn important things at these marriage retreats, right, Phil and Lisa? What do we learn? You're not my enemy. Good. That's good. We, still got <laughs> we went to marriage retreats a long time ago. A bunch of us did. And that was like the one thing we learned. You look at your spouse and say, you're not my enemy. That's, we've, that's stuck. <laughs> I don't know if Lisa likes that. But anyway. Um, but we think about all these gifts that we can go shopping for and enjoy. Okay, but let me ask you this. Will these gifts, now don't answer out loud because I know some of you are ready to. Will these gifts really bring joy? Will they really bring joy to your life? If you listen to the advertisements and the testimonials on TV and you, you read the you know, description of the gift, they all say it does. Oh, you want to get this because it will just bring joy to their life, right? Well, most likely the answer is not really. But we'd like to believe the gifts bring joy. Not just the gifts, but the anticipation of the gift brings joy, right? Now think about this. If... Christmas morning for a child, or, or it's a wedding, or it's a future home, or even the, uh, the couple that's having their first baby. There's so much anticipation in what's coming, that there is so much joy. You just look at it, you know, and, I, and I, I can't fully express this again for a lady who's nine months pregnant, okay? Because there's probably not always a face of joy on them, okay? Maybe discomfort, but there is still that picture of joy on her face because she knows within days I have given birth to my first child. Simple anticipation maybe of a, of a hot bath or a cup of hot chocolate after being outside shoveling the snow and freezing temperatures. These are all joys yet to come because they bring that little shudder of pleasure and, and you anticipate something pleasurable is going to bring joy, right? But I ask you again, does the gift bring joy? Does the anticipation of a gift Bring joy. Well, I'm going to say, being really honest, that that's not really joy. More it's an emotion of happiness and pleasure that you're going to receive. And not so much joy, but it's a different emotion. Okay? Joy is not derived from stuff. Joy is not foundationally built upon the material possessions and gifts and abundance of presence. We know that for a child... Pleasure and happiness in a gift, man, that, that, that comes real quick, right? When they open up that first gift, but it fades when they go to gift number two under the tree. and Gift number three and four and whatever, how many gifts are under the tree for that child. And maybe a week or two later, that joy is gone. It's faded. So it wasn't really lasting. So I cannot really say that that's joy. I would say that's maybe happiness for that moment, that excitement. The emotions we get from gifts and from possessions, it's not a guarantee, it's not a surety. But joy is initiated within, and it is birthed within, and it is more than an emotion. And that's what I want you to know this morning as we write, well, lit the Advent candles. Phil and Lisa talked about joy and, and read some scripture. And our hope as believers in Jesus Christ is this. We have peace with God, as Pastor Landon preached last week. We have peace with God, and Messiah Jesus Christ is coming back into this sinful world someday. And when he does, every tear is going to be wiped away. Every sad moment, 
is going to be tossed back. Every hurting heart will be fixed. Every broken bone and cancer-corroded body will be healed. And every torn relationship will be restored. Why is that? Because God so loved the world he gave. Right? And what did he give? His one and only son, Jesus Christ. What is our response to God's love, to his gift to us? What is our response? What is our response to that, that his gift of love and his presence into our lives? Joy. That's the response. Pure joy. And I shared in my devotional this week, and maybe in the email, maybe you read it, maybe you didn't. I shared at a high school assembly this week, same thing, and that is Christmas is like the most wonderful time of the year. And then I shared that because, you know, I love that song. It's a great song. But sometimes it doesn't feel like it's the most wonderful time of the year. Some of us, yes, but then we look back and we think of things about Christmas that sort of, I don't know, sour it. Or maybe it's a little messy, and it starts right after Thanksgiving with Black Friday shopping and the long lines and the crazy drivers, and then you go to pick out that Christmas tree, and we can never find the right Christmas tree because there's always a bend to it or it's missing some branches on this side, and you've got to turn it just right. But if you turn it just right that way, well, it still leans. And then you pull out the Christmas lights, as I always do. I go up in the attic, and I bring them down, and they're never wrapped up just right. I'm sure I put them away that way. But I pull them out, and it's just one big hairball, and I don't know what to do with it. And I try to unstrap and unstrap, and I'll plug it in. If they all work, and then I get them up, and I put them up on the house, or I put them on the tree, and I plug them in, and then there's about a two-foot section that isn't working. It's not perfect like it's supposed to be, right? And you go shopping, and you have maybe some rude shoppers. Or as I stood in the service line the other day to, to take something back that I was working on, it's like I need a, the wrong tool. And anyway, and here comes somebody in, and boy, did they let the customer service have it. And I just felt bad for them. And it's like, wow, they didn't deserve that. And maybe at Christmas you didn't get what you wanted as far as a gift. You get a weird gift. You get an ugly gift. You get something like, I don't know where that came from. A lot of families are not together anymore. Maybe they're divorced and maybe they're remarried and you go from having one Christmas to two, three, four, five Christmases. And it gets very awkward and it's different. Maybe you don't have a family gathering. I shared um, at the school assembly, I said, I know some children don't like Christmas break, believe it or not. As I was working in uh, Toledo some uh, at various times, visiting some people, working with coaches, schools, and different things. I find out from them that, especially in the Toledo public schools, a lot of kids don't like Christmas break because they have to go home to nobody. And if nobody's home or if somebody's home, it's probably somebody that's going to yell at them or hurt them or beat them. They may go home to a home that has no heat. School has heat. They go home to a cold meal. School serves a warm meal at lunch. Christmas break is not a vacation for them. They'd rather be at school where it's warm and they get something to eat and they get treated a little bit nicer. I was thinking about all this. I thought, boy, it's probably hard to find joy at Christmas when all that's going on. And maybe you feel like God is not there for you. Maybe Christmas is hard. Now, there's quite a few of you in here. You've lost a loved one this past year and maybe even last year. And this is the first Christmas without him. Or the second Christmas or the third Christmas. And it never gets easier, does it? You miss them. And it's like, where do I find the joy? 
You don't find it under a tree. We know that. You don't find it in the gifts. You don't find it in the anticipation of gifts. You get it somewhere else, and that's what I want you to hear this morning. So in your Bibles, let's grab your Bibles. We're going to read, and this is what uh, Phil just read earlier, but let's read it again. Psalm 126. When the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter, and we, we sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord's done for them. Yes. The Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy! Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. Now, this psalmist uses images, maybe that we're not used to, maybe we are, but he uses images of seeds and harvest. The miracle of God gleaming joy from suffering. Pastor Eugene Peterson said this, All suffering, all pain, all emptiness, all disappointment is seed. You sow it in God and he will bring a crop from it. Author and pastor Max Lucado also said this, Think of your tough times, your hardships as life of life as seeds. And you have three things you can do with them. So think about this for a second. Think about what I just described as maybe it isn't the greatest or the most wonderful time of the year because of certain reasons. So whatever reason it makes Christmas hard, whatever those pains, those sufferings, whatever's not going right, here's what you can do with it. Picture it as a seed. You can refuse to plant that seed. And you can just hold on to it. And you can just sit there and say, you know, the hardships that have come into my life, and you just hold on to it, and you just look, think about it, and you whine about it, and you just hold on to it, and you refuse to give it to God. And you let it define your life. Everything about you that's posted in social media or your conversations revolves around that hardship. And that becomes what defines you. That's one choice. Or you can take that difficult, that hardship, and you can take it and you can plan it in God. And you can surrender your hardship of your life in faith, trusting that God can and will produce crops of joy and new life out of that hardship. That's another choice. Something else you can do is you can plan it in something other than God. You can take your difficulty moment and you can say, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to just waste it in a life of pleasure. I'm going to drink myself until I can't think of anything else. I'm going to put myself under some kind of drug, and so I'm not even here and thinking about it. So I can just hallucinate and not have to worry about the the issues and the hardships that are in my life. We can choose that shallow soil of distraction or self-defeating behavior in hopes that it's going to produce some kind of quick crop of quick relief. And we know that that doesn't produce much, does it? So what do we do? You know, God has a way of taking tragedies and turning them into the triumphs. You just read the Bible, right? Look at history. Church, go back and look what God's done for you since day one. You claim God didn't do something recently in your life. That's, that's possibly true. Maybe he didn't do something for a particular reason. Maybe it wasn't supposed to be fixed on this side of eternity. But when you weigh that one thing to the number of things that God has done, there's no comparison. 
There's no comparison. Who are we to doubt what God can do in our life? Look at this psalm again. Look at verses 2 and 3. We're filled with laughter. We sing for joy. And other people, other nations, people who did not believe in God, witnessed how those who believed in God were behaving. You see, as a Christian, when you have hardship come your way, and you realize, you know what? I know this isn't what God planned. I know God does not like death or pain or suffering. I know that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to eliminate all that, to give us peace, to give us hope, to give us joy, to give us love. I know that. And because of that, I trust God. I take that, that, this, that hardship, and like a seed, I'm going to plant it in God. I'm going to give it to him, and I'm going to let him produce joy within my life. Other people who don't believe in God, when they see that, they know there's something different about you. You're a witness to them without even saying a word. The joy on your face, your testimony for how you behave in hardship, people see that and they know there's something different about you. Look what the psalmist said. Other nations said, what amazing things the Lord's done for them. As if they're almost jealous. I wish God would do that for me. Verse 3, yes, the Lord's done amazing things for us. It's the, the psalmist replies, yes, yes, he has done amazing things for us. What joy. And that's not with a question mark. That's with an exclamation point. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. First book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 2. That familiar passage that we always turn to at Christmas time. And in this section in chapter 2, We know Jesus is born in Bethlehem. And the wise men want to come and worship the king of the Jews. They saw that star and they traveled. And they come to worship and they get to King Herod. And King Herod hears about this and he's disturbed because what, there's another king? Uh, I'm the only king, right? And he wants to know where the Messiah is supposed to be born. And the wise men tell him, well, in Bethlehem. And this is what the prophet wrote. So Herod calls for this private meeting with the wise men. He gets them together and says, Listen, I'd like to worship this newborn king too. Not really. We know he wants to put him to death. But he gives this story to the wise men. And he says, Go ahead and find that child. Let's pick this up in verse 9. Chapter 2 of Matthew. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they saw in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, look at verse 10. When they saw the star, they were filled with what? Let's say this together. They were filled with what? Joy. They just saw the star. They weren't even there yet. And they were so excited. They were so filled with joy. The anticipation of meeting the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. Verse 11. They entered the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and they worshipped him. They opened their treasure chest and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. See, these wise men, they haven't even met Jesus Christ yet. They haven't even seen the baby. Yet they were filled with the joy, the anticipation of finding the child Jesus Christ. It says they were filled with joy. Turn to Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, two books over. Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, we see the same word is being used again. This time we're going to pick up in verse 8, Luke chapter 2. This is after the shepherds 
talking about the shepherds. That night, the shepherds were staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Verse 9, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Their first emotion was what? Fear, right? They were terrified. But the angels reassured them, don't be afraid. Why? Because listen why. Because I bring you good news that will bring great what? Joy to all people. The same word. That Greek word here is kara, C-H-A-R-A, kara. And it's derived from the word charis, which is the Greek word where we get the word grace from. It's the grace of God produced of God. Grace is receiving something we don't deserve. When God gives us grace, when we sing about amazing grace, we're singing about something that we don't deserve. The grace of God, His love, His forgiveness. We don't deserve that. But God says, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving you, that's grace. And when we see the joy the joy that they have, the wise men had, the same word is used with the shepherds that the angels say, we're bringing you great joy. We are giving you a gift. We're giving you something produced of God, not produced by human emotion. It's produced of God. This joy is not a human-based happiness. It's divine in origin. It's a fruit of the Spirit that's manifested particularly in hard times. Some people may feel happiness. Right? Exuberance or excitement. But all those are fleeting emotions that are gone. Like I said, after a few weeks, I've opened up the toys. We're done. I've driven that new car for a while. It's done. Joy is a spirit-given expression that really flourishes when times are strenuous and tough. And the best that this world that we live in now, this lost world that we live in, has to offer is just temporary happiness. We try to buy it. We try to grab it when we can. But when the seed of God has been placed in your human spirit, that divine seed produces a joy. It's not based on the outward things or events or circumstances. So let me restate this, okay? Joy is internal, not an external experience. Happiness depends on those circumstances around us, while joy is internally generated. And it's initiated when you discover the grace of God and His gift to us, Jesus Christ. And when you place your trust in Him as your Savior, grace abounds. Joy abounds. This joy sustains you in good times and bad times. Church, this joy is initiated and birthed by God, given to you. But it needs to be maintained. Some of us feel like joy comes and goes, right? It needs to be maintained. Let me tell you how this happens. Turn now. Let's go one more book. We're in Luke. Let's go over one more book to John. The book of John, chapter 15. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he's trying to teach them about his relationship with us. And he gives them a picture that's pretty easy for us to connect with. So let's pick it up in verse 1, and we'll read through to verse 11. I'm the true grapevine. My father, he's the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. He prunes the branches 
that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. Did you hear that? Because pruning hurts. I don't know if you ever had to prune a tree before. I don't like pruning trees. I feel like I'm going to make that, that plant or that tree or that bush bear when I prune and I cut off. But you know what? When you prune, when you cut back, it actually allows it to produce and grow more. That pruning process in our life, we think when bad things happen to us, sometimes I look at that as a pruning process so that God can grow more within us. Let's read on. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Verse 4, remain in me, I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. Jesus is saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me, those who stay connected to me, and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pot to be burned. But if you remain in me, my words remain in you, you can ask me anything you want and it will be granted. And when you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I've loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. And when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. Did you hear that? Let me, let me, let's go back and read that again. Because a lot of times we say, how do I know God loves me? How do, can I show people that I love God? How do I remain in Him? How do I stay connected to Him? When you, verse 10, when you obey my commands, when we're obedient to the commands in the Bible, it says what? You remain in His love. Just as I obey my Father's commands and remain in His love. Look at verse 11. I've told you these things so that you'll show up to church on every Sunday and be a good Christian. Is that what it says? No. I've told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes. Your joy will overflow. That joy that's produced of God and given to us when we stay connected with Him, that joy grows and overflows. You want to be filled with joy? You want to be filled with God's glorious joy? The joy that overflows? Then we must be connected. We must remain in Him. We must be obedient to Him. Greek word for remain or is a, to abide. It means to be set in place. It means to be rooted firmly in. When we are remaining in Him, we are rooting ourselves into truth. We're grabbing what we know is true and we firmly root ourselves into it. We don't say, well, I heard somewhere. No, no, no. We read here what we're to do and how we're to live. You know, years ago, I I would challenge a lot of groups to this question. Matter of fact, church, I think I asked you this question back many years ago when this church was first starting. But I asked the question was this. Would you rather be a Christmas tree or a fruit tree? Okay. Which one would you rather be, a Christmas tree or a fruit tree? Now, don't answer that out loud, but think about it, kids. Think about it. Would you rather be a Christmas tree or a fruit tree? Now, I asked that question, but I want you to think about this. The Christmas tree, let's think. You place that tree where everybody can see it, right? Now, this tree and this tree, they're at the front of the state. They're not in the back of the room, are they? And if this was your house, it's probably in the room where everybody gathers or near the front window where everybody can see it when they drive by. 
you place your Christmas tree where everybody can see it so it gets all the show it can get. And you decorate it. You put things on there that grabs people's attention. You sing about it. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, right? We sing about it. But think about the fruit tree. Okay? Nobody's singing about no fruit tree. Oh, apple tree, oh, no, they're not doing that, are they? There are no songs about apple trees or fruit trees. Okay? It just sits outside. Nobody rips up a fruit tree and puts it in their living room. Not that I'm aware of, anyway. And it looks good only part of the year. Nobody decorates a fruit tree, do they? I've I've not driven by an orchard yet with lights and stars on top of a tree. I've I've not seen any tinsel hanging from any fruit trees lately. So let me ask you this. Which one are you like? Which one do you desire to be like? Because I hear a lot of people say, man, I like the Christmas tree. I love Christmas trees, right? But you know what? Here's the thing about the Christmas tree and the fruit tree. Christmas trees receive all kinds of goodies, and, and, and people look at them, right? And it's like everybody, everybody puts stuff onto that tree. It's like that tree's like, yeah, give me, give me. Yeah, go ahead, hang that right here. Oh, yeah, hang that right there. Oh, yeah, put that on top. Oh, yeah. It's like if the tree could talk, it'd be saying, oh, decorate me. Make me look good. It, I'm looking, I'm feeling really good, right? What does the fruit tree do? The fruit tree says, go ahead and pick from there. Go ahead and take some of that. This will give you nourishment. This will feed you, right? The, the fruit tree gives. The Christmas tree takes, right? The Christmas tree is what? It's cut off. It's dying, You've got a dead thing in the middle of your living room all decorated. And we know that in three weeks from now, you go to take that outside, every needle on that tree will fall out between your living room and the curve. We know that, right? It drives a lot of you nuts. And usually a month later, you're walking through the living room like, oh, man, another one. You know, you're still finding them, right? It's dying. But the fruit tree is connected. It's rooted. It's alive. It's growing. Christmas tree brings temporary happiness, but the fruit tree brings a lasting joy. So again, I ask you, are you like the Christmas tree or the fruit tree? Now, why do I bring this in? Because Jesus said, I want you to remain in me. I want you to abide in me. You stay connected to me. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Like that Christmas tree. Oh, you might look good. You might have some great swag going on. Okay? You might be able to show off yourself and and be selfish and take things from people. But you know what? You're dying. Because you're apart from Christ. But the fruit tree, which doesn't get a lot of attention, is always giving, looking to help others, looking to give, provide nourishment. And it's firmly rooted. It's remaining in the soil that will help it grow. The source of joy, that connection, allows us, as Jesus is saying, to give to others. Go back again. Look at verse 11. I've told you these things so that you'll be what? Filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. See, the joy of God that was produced and given to us, guess what we get to do with it? We get to share that joy with others. If you were reading in John 15, go to verse 12. It continues on to say that that connection, that source of joy, allows us to live out the command to love others. Look at verse uh, 11 and 12 again. I've told you these things so you may be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my command. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. It just flows right into it. Listen. This is what we do. We remain in Him, and His joy is in us, and His joy overflows through us so that we can love one another. You cannot love the people around you without the love of God in you. You can fake it pretty good. You can act like you 
really sort of like them. But to truly love the people you are with is only going to happen when you are allowing the love of God to work through you and produce in you that joy that you need. Connection to Jesus Christ produces that. And if you ever notice that when you're joyful, you tend to treat other people better, don't you? There's that connection. We must be connected to Christ, the source of our joy. We must be abiding, remaining rooted in Him. Galatians 5, 23. Turn there with me. You're in John. Go back a few more books. Acts, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, and you get to Galatians. It's a small little book there. And then Galatians, turn to chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. It says this, The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. All of us fruit trees in here, right? Fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified Him there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Did you hear that? Since we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit's direction. If God's joy is being produced in you, and God's saying, I want you to share that with somebody, follow the Spirit's leading. Go share that joy. Go share it. A lot of you were, um, have been sharing joy with each other and helping each other out in many ways. One that we just saw this past week, some of you gave uh, Christmas ornaments and you sent a little birthday card for Julie Borton and that was delivered. You know, Jenny could probably testify to the reaction. And Terry, you probably there. Where's, I just looked around. Where's Terry's back there? Um, she's working at the same nursing home where Julie's at. She can probably witness and testify to the fact how much kind of joy that brings to Julie. Oh, not just Julie but the people who come to visit and the nurses. Oh, how joy is produced and love is shown. In the midst of life, we discover that really all this earth has to offer is nothing. Nothing's really going to ever satisfy our eternal thirst except for God himself. Think about this. We did that big garage sale with our church. You think about all that room that was filled. I mean, actually the hallway into the other hallway, into the room with all this stuff from the garage cell. Think about this. You know all that stuff that was in a garage cell? At one point in time, one of us said, I have to have it. I will pay dollars upon dollars for this item. And two years later, yeah, I'll sell it for a nickel. Right? Temporal things, they come and go. They don't bring lasting joy. You know what that first wave of joy to flood our souls is when you discover Jesus Christ. We have joy first when we discover Jesus Christ. And then there's a second wave of joy that comes as he's, as we're planted and growing in him. And then we have another joy, which we talk about the advent. He's coming again. Think about this. Jesus is coming again. Oh, we get excited about people coming or, or this event coming, but the return of Christ? You search through Old Testament Scripture to discover what prophets say, and they spoke of a time when the Messiah was coming back and Jesus Christ would come, but they also pointed to a time of judgment, His second return when He would come back, and what it would be like. Jesus Christ comes to this earth to seek and save those who are lost, and He does, and He shows us the way to heaven, but He reminds us, guess what? I'm coming back. You know, before Arnold Schwarzenegger was like, I'll be back. Okay, before all that, Jesus is like, no, no, I'll be back. And I'll be back bigger and better than Arnold. Okay, I'm going to take a bunch of you with me and we're going to heaven. And it's going to be incredible. And there'll be celebration. 
Revelation 1.7 says, Look, he comes on the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, and those who pierced him, and all the nations of earth will weep because of him. Yes, amen. Malachi. It's a very small book. Malachi readers like, what? Talk about me? Book of Malachi. Last book in the Old Testament. I'll read this to you. Malachi chapter 4. The Lord of heaven's army says the day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant, the wicked will be burned up like straw. They'll be consumed. Roots, branches, and all. Did you hear that? Okay, listen. When Christ returns, there's a time of judgment. For those who do not know Jesus Christ, it will not be a pretty day. It will not be exciting. There are terms and phrases used about when you know what all breaks loose, okay? When people say that, they don't realize what they're saying. Because when Christ returns, heaven and hell will both break loose. For those who don't know Christ, it will not be pretty. For those who do know Christ, verse 2, listen. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, you will rise with healing in his wings. You will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out the pasture. On the day when I act, will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust on your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I love this picture because I don't know if you've ever seen a young cow, a calf, run out into the pasture. Okay, if you've ever seen that before, you can't help but smile. I don't know what it is. You see an animal just get up, a little one, just run out. Okay, some of you are having a hard time picturing this. Serve as a recess monitor sometime. Okay, watch the kids as they sit in class all day long, and then it's recess time, and they go running outside like a little calf, excited, freed from all bondage and slavery of schoolwork. Okay, they're excited to go out to recess. As a person and as an adult who's watching these kids run out there, you can't help but look at them and say, oh, man, that kid's super happy right now. Oh, I'm so happy for him. Oh, yeah, swings, miracle rounds. There's so much joy being produced in that. Understand what Malachi the prophet is saying here. That there's a day when we are free from all this bondage of sin, free from death, free from pain, free from hardships. It'll be such a joy. The joy is in discovering that Jesus is coming back again. He's coming back again. Church, I have to ask you these questions, okay? As we sort of wrap this up, let me ask you this question. First of all, have you approached Jesus Christ and humbly bowed and recognized him as your Savior and Lord? Do you know him? Have you confessed your sins to him? Listen, you can't share joy with others if you don't have it yourself. Do you know Jesus Christ? And are you then, as a Christian, one who's received Jesus Christ, are you producing fruit in your life? Have you prayed and asked for God's joy to be overwhelming and flooding in your life? Are you firmly rooted in his word? And after discovering this Source of joy, are you allowing it to transform you so you can share it with others? Church, if you've got Christ in you, you've got his joy produced in you. And it's time for you to take that joy to this world. I want to encourage you to do that. We have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be grateful for. I'm going to ask um, Dave, I was going to say the worship team, Dave, to come on up. 
there's a lot of reasons why we can say, you know what? And there might be somebody in the room here this morning saying, I've never asked Christ to come to my life because I, I really don't need to because I'm, really, I'm a good person. I'm such a good person that I know I can get to heaven by being good. Let me tell you something. Good don't get you there. You'll never be good enough. Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. You can take a burnt cake. You can put white icing on it. And it can look good. But when you cut it open and take a bite, all you're tasting is burnt cake. doesn't matter how good we are until we get our inside right with God. It doesn't matter. Church, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Have you received him? Would you please stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that joy is found in you. Joy is produced in you. We don't get it from a gift. We don't get it from the circumstances around us or winning a ball game or singing at a concert or whatever it may be or a snow day. Boy, that would be fun. But that's just happiness. That's emotion. Joy is produced in you and your son. We want that joy. So God, I just pray that if we're in this room right now, if we've not come to you and we've humbly admitted our sins, that we do that now. Because your word says we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So God, forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us. Wipe it away. God, produce in us eternal, everlasting joy. And God, we look forward not just to Christmas because we celebrate your coming as a baby. We get to celebrate your coming again. We look forward to that day. It's anticipation. But God, you've given us an eternal joy and we have to share that with others. We can't keep it to ourselves. God, I know if I had a gift right now to give to a friend, it'd be so hard to hold back and wait and wait and wait to give it. I'd want to give it to him right away. God, the gift of salvation that you've given us, we get to give that to somebody else by sharing the truth with them. Help us not to wait on giving it away. Lord, I thank you that we've been able to worship you in truth this morning. Lord, as we sing to you, may we sing out of our hearts, out of our love for you. God, we thank you for what you've given us.